Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week, some NFL and CBA updates that we'll have for you. In segments three and four, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports, he broke the story on Jim Tressel in Ohio State. Tressel resigned to the surprise of many this past week, walked away from $13 million remaining on his contract. We're going to uncover all the layers of the Jim Tressel Ohio State story with Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. Again, he broke that story. That's coming up in segments three and four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB Radio. Griggs, one of the most colorful personalities in sports, stepped aside this week. Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, 4 million followers on Twitter, to the surprise of nobody, he announces his retirement on Twitter. I first met Shaq in 1992 NBA draft in Portland. He was the number one pick, and he was like a kid in a candy store wearing his Orlando Magic hat, skinny as could be uh, when he was drafted. That's you know one of my big memories of, of the day I met Shaq. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a character and will be missed on that side of it. And a funny guy, always something funny. His rap career, uh, hilarious. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he'll be missed. He's gonna he's a great character, but I think it's a good time for him to step down. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just time your body breaks down, and I think his body had broken down. But uh, he certainly was one of the best, and he was great for the brand of the NBA and a terrific ambassador. So I'm sure the NBA is hoping that he will continue to work with them in some capacity and look for him uh, as an enforcement officer somewhere near you. I wouldn't want him coming and knocking on my door. All right, headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. It's only in your mind. You gotta talk. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Headline number one, an update from the NBA and NFL CBA front. First, a secret meeting took place. I guess it's not secret anymore. This past Wednesday in Chicago, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, NFL Players Association leader Demora Smith, even though there's not a Players Association anymore, and some owners, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, Robert Kraft of the Patriots, Jerry Richardson of Carolina, Griggs, they get together in silence, in secrecy to come together. And a lot of people wonder, you know, is this a good sign? Because they haven't been at the bargaining table in a while. Everything's been in the court system. Maybe this is step one in getting a deal done. Yeah, I think it is a good sign because I think, like you said, these are the big names that are involved in this and seeing them meet, especially kind of in secrecy like that, I think that's a good thing because they're trying to get maybe something done quicker and kind of under the carpet so people aren't following it and the media and the lawyers and all that. So I think it's a good sign. The other news is the NBA and their Players Association met in Miami this week over games one and two of the finals, and they've got more sessions scheduled for Dallas when the finals moves there. June 30th is the deadline for getting something done with their collective bargaining agreement, and if you listen to Commissioner Stern speak this week at his press conference before game one of the finals, it just sounds like there's a lot of work to be done. They're far apart. And the thing I don't understand, Griggs, is Commissioner Stern starts off the press conference talking about the health of the league, record-setting TV ratings. It's a healthy league. The league's never been healthier. But then we're going to lose a few hundred million dollars. It's like, what? How do you say that you're healthy out of one side of your mouth and then talk about losing a few hundred million dollars out of the other side of your mouth? I just don't get it. And I think a lot of other people don't get it either. Yeah, I think he was trying to encourage the fan there, trying to say, hey, look, we, we still got a good product here. We're losing some money on the side. But hey, wait, we got good readings. We got people are involved. We love it. And uh, I think it was kind of just trying to keep the listener and the fan maybe tied in and tuned in and keep them locked and loaded. Something that's very important to remember with the NBA collective bargaining agreement negotiations, and I tweeted this out this week. This is not just the players versus the owners. This is the owners versus the owners, the big market owners against the small market owners. The small market owners want revenue sharing. So you've got the Lakers who have a TV deal worth $3 billion. You have a team like the Blazers who have a TV deal worth $12 million. There's the haves and the have-nots. And The owners are not on the same page because the Knicks, the Lakers, the Bulls, they don't want to share money with the Grizzlies and the Kings and the Blazers and the Bucks. So, you know, there's this internal battle going on between the NBA owners. And if they can't get on the same page, I think this thing drags out even longer than it would if it was just the owners versus the players with two unified fronts battling each other. So keep your eye on that. The other thing is Commissioner Stern talked about a hard cap, and boy, that would not be good news to the big market teams, and it would be the last of the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics and the Lakers and teams with three superstars, because you will not be able to pay three superstars if there is a hard cap. What it will do is create a lot of parity for the league, so everyone 
has a decent chance to win the championship, but there will be no more super teams. And if you look at the NBA ratings, the NBA Finals ratings, Griggs, I mean, they are up big time. Highest rating since the 2004 Pistons-Lakers Finals. So say what you want about the Heat. Love them or hate them, people are watching them. And if you get rid of your super teams, again, the Lakers, the Knicks, uh, the guys with more than one star on the team, I just don't know that it's good for the NBA. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, the hard cap, if that does happen, I think it makes it more competitive for, say, the teams like Minnesota or somebody that's not doing as well. But it will hurt the ratings because the super teams aren't going to be there. I think the fan, the casual fan, might get more involved because their team might have a chance because they're going to be more equal with another team, you know, per se. But, uh, yeah, I think it's in the long run it is going to hurt the NBA. But more people watching in Milwaukee or Sacramento or Portland or San Antonio I don't think is good for the league. I think more people watching in New York and L.A. and Miami is very good for the league. Our next headline, it's the Stanley Cup Finals, and those are up 14.3% on NBC. Great game one. What did it come down to? 18 seconds left. Vancouver knocks it in, and uh, they take that game one nothing. But, you know, Boston's a big market. Vancouver's a pretty big international market. You've got Canada versus the U.S. You've got some really good storylines. Neither of these teams have won a Stanley Cup in a long, long time. So it's a pretty compelling matchup. And I would think that the ratings are only going to continue to trend Upward, again, up 14.3% on NBC so far. Yeah, and I think NBC versus that deal they signed is, they're, they're happy right now because uh, the ratings are going up. Stanley Cup's always fun. Uh, two great teams. They're intense. You saw some great check-ins, some, some little skiffs and little, uh, little fights and stuff. So I think it's going to be a great series and uh, good news for NHL and the fan. Last headline of the week, we told you about this before. Shaquille O'Neal has called it quits. Uh, 28,000 points. He scored over his career, uh, 15-time All-Star, four-time champion, 2000 NBA Most Valuable Player. He was 39 years old, announced his retirement on Twitter to his over 4 million followers at Shaq. And, uh, you know, I think Shaq was good for the league. He was good for the marketing of the league. He always had a smile on his face. Whatever team he went to was pretty relevant. I do think he stuck around for a few years too many, so it's good that he's getting out of the league, but I hope that he's not out of the league altogether. I hope he still finds a way to work in some capacity with the NBA. Coming up next, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. Jim Tressel resigned this week at Ohio State. Charles is the reporter who broke the story about the violations with Jim Tressel and Ohio State. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. You stole my heart. You're the one to blame, yeah, and that's why. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. 
And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tea times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to pumpkinridge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Charles Robinson. He's with Yahoo Sports. Find him online at, at Windy City Scribe on Twitter. He's the one who broke the story about Jim Trestle in Ohio State. Charles, I got to ask you, were you surprised that Jim Trestle resigned instead of continuing his fight this past week? Um, well, no, not entirely because... You know, since we wrote our piece in March, um, it became pretty clear that, that there was going to be a lot of, obviously, national focus on Jim Trussell, his past, his history at Youngstown State, um, you know, the earlier years at Ohio State, which I think were a little glossed over because of some of the comments, uh, I guess, in spite of some of the comments that Maurice Claret said about the things that were going on inside the Ohio State program. Um you know, I think I kind of felt like, you know, the pressure was going to be building. And and frankly, you know, from the work that we had done, I'm not sure that, that when this all initially came out that Jim Trussell was completely safe at that moment. Now, I know they stood behind him, um, you know, fairly quickly. They lined up behind Jim Trussell, that being the, the, the AD and, you know, the, the Ohio State administrative structure at large. But, uh, as time went on and, and you know, the, the investigation about the cars came out and then obviously a further investigation into Terrell Pryor came out, uh, I don't think there was any doubt that, that the pressure was building to Jim Trussell uh, to the point where uh, there was going to be a breaking point. And, and I think a lot of people are missing maybe the deeper picture here, and that's that now that Ohio State has separated, has become separated from Jim Trussell, when they go before the NCAA's Committee on Infractions in August, their job is a heck of a lot easier now because they have a scapegoat uh, to sort of lay everything on. I mean, at this point, I think you can guarantee the institution, once it steps in front of the NCAA, is going to point a lot of its defense on the fact that Jim Trussell kept them in the dark. You know, we hear about the loss of institutional control by the NCAA all the time. Trestle's gone, but frankly, Charles, I don't see how Ohio State President Gordon Gee and A.D. Gene Smith keep their jobs. And especially after they sat up at that press conference that we discussed last time you were on Sports Business Radio, and they said, right. well, geez, I just hope Jim Trestle doesn't fire me. Right. Well, it's, it's uh, I think the larger thing in play here that could be more troubling, particularly for uh, Athletic Director Gene Smith, is, you know, things that went beyond Trestle. At, at the end of the day, uh, Trestle not telling his employers about things that he, he had discovered early on about the memorabilia sales, uh, you know, the, the institution could say, look, we were lied to. You know, we, we had Jim sign this, you know, the NCAA sheet saying he, he didn't know of any infractions. We talked to him on multiple occasions. He withheld this from all of us, and we were all duped, not just the NCAA, but the institution at large. I think now the, the investigation is a car sale, some 50-odd car sales to Ohio State players and their family members. I think um, you know some of the things that, that continue to uh, be focused on now with Terrell Pryor, I think that's when you start to get into 
uh, the institutional control? Are there things out there that, that the coaching staff should have known about? Are there things out there that the compliance staff should have known about? And I really think that that's why this investigation into the cars is so troubling because it goes beyond just one person's knowledge. This is something that clearly was in the face of a lot of people. You've got other Ohio State athletes coming out and saying, hey, everybody was doing it. Um, it wasn't a secret. You even have you know, a basketball player, ex-basketball player from the other side of the program saying, yeah, you know, it, was no, it was no secret that you know, all the football players were driving nice cars and things of this nature. At some stage, the NCAA looks at Gene Smith and says, hey, where were you on this? Where was your compliance department? If all these other people knew about this, uh, perhaps this wasn't just a Jim Trussell problem. Perhaps this was a, a problem beyond that. So the Sports Illustrated story that came out this week says since 2002, at least 28 Ohio State players are alleged to have traded or sold memorabilia. It's exactly what you're talking about. This is beyond just a few people. This is more than just a handful of players. This is 28 players, allegedly. That sounds like a loss of institutional control to me. Well, it's. I think it's definitely something that you know looks systemic. The problem looks a little more systemic than than just the breakdown of one person in the program. And I think you know really that's where our our investigation started the day they wrapped up their investigation into um, you know these players who were suspended for the first five games of, of 2011. That's the day that Gene Smith came out and said we were notified on this day, we concluded our investigation on this day, and it amounted to 11 days of investigation to put a nice little neat bow on, you know, the players who had been selling the memorabilia. And that was the day that Dan Watson and I, my colleague, you know, talked and, and just sat back and said, there's no way. There's no way that in 11 days, uh, everything that was out there to be found was found by Ohio State. I mean, we've been in this long enough journalistically to know that, that typically investigations like that um, span months and, and not just an 11-day uh, span. I mean, it was something that appeared to have been done quickly to facilitate these players playing in a bowl game. Um, and ultimately, that's why we started digging a little deeper and were able to find out that, you know, Jim Trussell actually knew about this the prior April. So, you know, to me, um, clearly that investigation, that 11-day investigation was flawed because so much has come out since then. And, you know, to your earlier point, that is probably a little more worrisome for a guy like Gene Smith who stood up there and said, hey, we've done all our due diligence. Here's what we found in 11 days. Well, you know, I think that smacks of an investigation that was probably a a little more surface than than it needed to be. So this is interesting, Charles. The red flag to you and Dan Wetzel and your colleagues was this wrapped up in 11 days. It takes a lot longer than 11 days. Are you telling me that if they had taken more time and this had taken a month or two months, then maybe you wouldn't have sniffed around as much as you did because it wouldn't have raised that red flag? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the the fact that it only went 11 days – you know, smack of um, a hurried investigation, you know, something that, that didn't go where it needed to go and, and the due diligence, at least we felt at that point, hey, the due diligence probably wasn't where it needed to be. Um, I don't know that, that it would have limited what we did later, but certainly if Ohio State comes out two or three months down the line and says, hey, you know what, we found 28 players since 2002. Um, you know, we found... Uh, you know, in our investigations, we found some potential improper relationships with a car salesman and all this stuff. If it looks like they did a comprehensive investigation, it's not to say that wouldn't draw in other investigative journalists, but at the very least, you could have looked at, you know, the administration and said, okay, it, it appears they really did 
uh, a very thorough and difficult investigation on this. But I, I will say the the more lightly an administration treads on, on violations like this, the more likely it is to, to draw on people who say, you know what, there's probably a lot more to be seen. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's a terrific investigative reporter with Yahoo Sports. Find him on Twitter at Windy City Scribe. Charles, let's talk about Jim Tressel for a minute. Um, anytime you fail to disclose potential violations, the NCAA considers that one of the cardinal sins. Do you think that Jim Tressel really thought that he was going to beat this, that he was going to skate by, that he was going to go unnoticed by not disclosing these violations? I think if Jim Tressel felt like he could stick by his his claim of you know confidentiality, which was you know when he when they initially had their press conference some 24 hours after our story ran in March, you know that that was Jim Tressel's stance that hey, the reason why I didn't share this was because I thought I, I was supposed to keep it confidential. Now if he could have stuck by that and 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 um, actually had it uh, be absorbed uh, realistically by people, you know, believed. Uh, I think there was a chance that Jim Trussell probably thought, hey, I'm going to get by and this. People are going to understand uh, that I really felt there was a reason why I couldn't share this with people. The only problem was Jim Trussell shot himself in the foot the day after he found out by, of these violations by, you know, uh, reaching out to Terrell Pryor's, you know, mentor, handler, whatever you want to call uh, Ted Sarniak, this guy in Pennsylvania, when he reached out to Ted Sarniak and said, hey, we got an issue here with, with Pryor and this memorabilia stuff. Um, you know, that blew up his whole claim of confidentiality because immediately, why are you telling Ted Sarniak in Pennsylvania, but you're not telling Gene Smith and Gordon Gee in Columbus? You cannot have that. So to me, the, the second his uh, claim of confidentiality, um, you know, was incinerated uh, by that email that he, he sent to Ted Sarniak, that's when I think, you know, the, the for himself, the believability that he was going to be able to get by on this um, probably disappeared pretty quickly. And I also think that's what ultimately forced Ohio State and Jim Trussell to move his suspension from two games to five games. I think they thought, okay, we'll mitigate this a little bit by taking the two-game suspension and saying, you know what, we're going to give Jim another three games. We're going to give him the full five games, just like the kids, and hopefully that will mitigate um, You know, what was clearly a, a big mistake on his part. But Unfortunately, at that stage, it also it causes a lot of other journalists who sat there and watched that March 8th press conference and listened to him continually talk about confidentiality to say, wait a minute, wasn't Jim Trussell kind of lying to everyone all over again in their first press conference by standing up there and saying, well, I had to keep this completely confidential, but at no point saying, I didn't keep it confidential, I shared it with someone in Pennsylvania. Well, and then last fall, he signed a form given to all the coaches, declaring that he knew of no violation. So, right. you know, now you're signing a, a legal document, a piece of paper, saying, I knew of no violations. And to me, that's the other nail in the coffin, right? Yeah. I mean, there were there are plenty of instances where you can look at, um, you know, Trussell along the way. And, and you know, the, the, uh, the lack of, um, you know, any kind of forthcoming nature on his part. And, I know the memorabilia sales and the SI piece and, and even the investigation of the car, all these things are bad. There's no doubt those are all bad. But I will tell you this. You look over history, coaches, particularly coaches of Jim Trussell's stature, major coaches who um, beat the rival school, who make millions of dollars, who you know put their, their uh, institution continually in the national title hunt, 
they can weather those, okay? They can make it through uh, to the other side of, of violations like that. The one thing that coaches do not survive is lying. They do not survive covering up. They do not survive the 10-1 unethical conduct violation. Bruce Pearl. I mean, you go back historically and look at the coaches who have been hit with a 10-1 unethical violation, uh, unethical conduct violation, uh, you know, Calvin Sampson. We've seen a lot of big coaches with pretty big reps not been able to, to survive that. And, and to me, it was the lying. We could say whatever we want about all the other stuff that came out on Jim Trussell, but ultimately it goes back to the line. How many times he lied, who he lied to, his bosses, the NCAA, seemingly everyone. Um, that I think ultimately, you know, forced the resignation. Well, and to that point, Jim Calhoun at UConn. So he's caught in the crosshairs. He falls on the sword. And as you said, he comes out on the other side. He still has right. his job. Right. And you, and what we saw in that, you know, instance was, um, you know, at no point really did Jim Trussell actually step out and, you know, what, particularly once the investigation started, I don't think you could pin a very clear lie on, on Jim Calhoun. You couldn't. And ultimately what happens is, you know, some assistants end up taking um, the brunt of, of really the, um, the downfall. You know, they lose their jobs. And, and, you know, Jim Calhoun suspended for three games, not even three tournament games, um, has to go to, a, you know, a regional meeting on compliance and, you know, lives to fight another day. And frankly, I think the same thing would have happened to Jim Trussell. At the very least, when he sat down to sign that piece of paper, do you know about any previous violations? I think if he would have said right then, yeah, you know what? For the last, you know, two, three, four months, I've known that this occurred. The fact that he would have admitted it at that stage, I think, you know, would have saved his job. I think Jim Trussell would be coaching next season. And he probably... Uh, I think there's a chance he wouldn't even have been suspended because at least he still would have brought it to the light um, of Ohio State. Unfortunately, the fact that he went the other way, I think, cost him his job. More of my conversation with Charles Robinson coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Now back to my conversation with Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. Charles, the other stunning part of this story to me is just how sloppy Tressel was with leaving a paper trail leading to his violations. I haven't seen this kind of sloppiness since Tiger Woods and his texts 
from from his whole ordeal. So, you know, these coaches seem to think that they're above the law and that they can be sloppy in the meantime. And this all, I mean, there was such a trail to nail Jim Tressel here. Yeah, I don't, I mean, nowadays with email, text messages, social networking, I mean, there's, uh, it's far easier to piece together a paper trail. I mean, I, you know, you almost have to, you know, handle it, you know, <laughs> if you're going to actually participate in, in some, you know, impropriety, almost the only way you can do it now is to handle it through couriers. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, commit anything to anything electronic because all that stuff eventually uh, can come back to haunt you. And obviously it was the emails that, that did Jim Trusslin had that one email that, you know, he sent to, to Ted Sarniak in Pennsylvania. Had that not existed, I think he could have stood by his claim of, hey, I thought this was confidential. I thought I wasn't allowed to tell anyone this because it was a lawyer out there bringing it to my attention. Um, had he picked up the phone and called Ted Sarniak rather than just sending it uh, via email, I think everything turns out differently. But, you know, as you said, I mean, there are typically a lot of loose threads, and, and that's how investigations begin, and that's ultimately how, you know, something like, uh, uh, you know, Sunday happens where Jim Trussell resigned. Charles, I know you've been around this business for a long time, but I was almost sickened this week at the enablers and the support that Trestle got from Buckeye fans, from former players, from people who just failed to admit that he lied. He did something wrong here. And I tweeted out this week, fans don't care if you have a clean program. They just want you to win. And when you look at Trestle, he was 106-22. and He was 9-1 and against Michigan. He wins a national championship, seven Big Ten titles. People don't care what kind of program he was running as long as it was winning that's what they really cared about. And I guess that's kind of a sad statement. Well, yeah, I, I think there's always going to be a segment of fans that ultimately the bottom line is what matters. And those are the same fans who, you know, I think by and large, many of them want to see a tape measure home run and not worry about whether or not the, the hitters on HGH um, or steroids or whatever. They don't care about performance enhancing, you know, drugs. They don't care about, you know, really how level the playing field is. Now, you know, I, I will say this. Uh, there is a very pervasive attitude amongst many of those people that have defended Jim Trussell that, hey, this is going on in other places. And that's absolutely true. I, I, I will tell you, um, in my capacity as an investigative journalist, there is no doubt that there are things, you know, that would approach this level in other programs in, in uh, college football and college basketball throughout, you know, amateur sports. But... I think ultimately you have to decide when these things come to light, when, when they can be proven, should you take no action or would you rather at the very least the ones that we can hold accountable, uh, will we hold that, them accountable? I think those same people would probably struggle a little bit with that question. But there's always going to be a segment that, that has blind faith for the program and the winning and not really caring you know, how they get there. But uh, they sure as heck would care when it's the rival school who, uh, you know, is being involved in this. Had this happened at Michigan, I guarantee you every Ohio State fan out there would have been screaming bloody murder. We're joined by Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. Find him on Twitter, at Windy City Scribe. Let's talk about Terrell Pryor. Um, lots of information about him this week. His license suspended. SI reports that he's had eight cars over three years at Ohio State. I don't see how this guy plays another game in college. Do you? Or or what do you think happens with Pryor going forward? 
I, I would be surprised uh, if Terrell Pryor ends up playing another game at Ohio State. I think things have simply gone so far down the road of, uh, you know, the focus being put on him and, and these cars that he's been driving. And, you know, I think uh, I don't think it will end at the cars either. I think as long as Terrell Pryor is still an Ohio State Buckeye, every single move he has made prior to today and every single move he makes until he leaves uh, will continue to be scrutinized. And, you know, I think uh, I think this new car that he's got, this Nissan 350Z that, that he has now is a perfect example. Yeah, it's a car with high mileage. Yeah, he traded in a Dodge Charger that he was driving to get it. His mother's come out and said, look, this is a legitimate exchange. It doesn't matter. Any exchange now is going to be met with, with a wary eye. And, um, you know, I, I think you just have to wonder how long will it be before, you know, the NCAA finds something. Uh, to take things a little further with Terrell Pryor than just those five games. But by the same token, at this stage with the lockout, I don't even know when or if the NFL will have a supplemental draft. So I don't know if Terrell Pryor will even have an option of throwing his name into a supplemental draft um, and, and you know moving on from Ohio State at this stage. My guess would be that, yeah, eventually the NFL will get its whatever it needs to get together to, to offer a supplemental draft. I think if that happens... I would be surprised if, if Pryor uh, doesn't take his opportunity to go to the NFL now rather than waiting and potentially losing whatever remaining games of eligibility he has at Ohio State. Or couldn't the NCAA just rule him flat-out ineligible? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt. He's already, uh, considering he's already lost five games, if there's a repeat violator situation where if they find some impropriety with, with this car or uh, any of these cars, and, and I think the NCAA's investigation into the cars, a lot of that is going to have to do with, you know, what what exactly is Terrell Pryor saying? How can he explain all these cars? And how does that match up with the statements of, you know, the, the salesmen who were, the, the, I guess the one particular salesman who was involved and the one dealership that was involved with so many of these cars, how do those statements match up? And then on top of that, how do those statements match up to everything that Terrell Pryor was telling Ohio State over the last year and a half that Ohio State said it's been keeping track of the cars that Pryor's driving? If you start to find inconsistencies there, the NCAA can look at Terrell Pryor and say, hey, look, you lied to us or you lied to the school. Uh, at some point, you've lied about these cars, and they can say, hey, you're a repeat violator. And much like the Des Bryant situation where they felt like Des Bryant lied to them, they can say, you know what, 2011 is off the books for you. So in August, the NCAA's Committee on Infractions is going to review all of this. You know, I'm kind of caught. Does this turn out like USC? Is this like Tennessee with Bruce Pearl? Where do you see this landing? And I know that we're getting more and more information daily. This is a very fluid story. Uh, you know, I think now that, that Jim Trussell and Ohio State are separated from each other, I think that, that infractions, you know, hearing goes far differently than it would have. Because a, a week ago, when Jim Trussell was still the coach, or, you know, two weeks ago, a month ago, when Jim Trussell was still a coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, it was on the institution to still back him, to find a way to support him and, and you know, not put itself, uh, you know, too directly into the line of fire. Now that they are, are separated, and Jim Trestle has his own outside legal counsel, I think you can guarantee a very large part of the institution's defense is going to be pouring on Jim Trestle, saying, hey, look, he lied to us. He concealed things from us. This is, this is a Ohio State versus Jim Trestle kind of situation, and I think Ohio State will likely be able to mitigate at least some of the fallout from what Jim Trestle did in terms of withholding 
um, you know, things from the school and the NCAA. Now, in terms of these other things, the car sales, uh, other another potential investigation into Terrell Pryor, that's a completely different, um, you know, hearing that would have to take place in, in front of the Committee on Infractions. People should understand that all can't be balled up and squeezed into this August infractions hearing. What happens in August is going to be about Jim Tressel. It's going to be about Jim Tressel lying. It's going to be about Jim Tressel's knowledge. Everything that happens after that, if all this other stuff comes to bear with the cars and with Terrell Pryor and all these other things, maybe even the memorabilia sales being a larger problem than initially thought, that's a completely separate investigation and that's a completely separate hearing. Uh, so to me, the August hearing, I, I wouldn't worry about if you're if you're fans of Ohio State. I mean, I worry about it a little bit, but you've got a scapegoat in Jim Trussell for that. Once Jim Trussell is gone, you really don't have a scapegoat. Someone's going to be called to the carpet on the deeper issues about cars and you know what knowledge should the program have had about other things that were going on. But again, we don't even know if the investigation will progress far enough for for sanctions to be brought on the other things apart from from what Jim Trussell did. So let me play devil's advocate for a minute. USC recently, and we haven't talked in a few weeks, their penalty is upheld. So, um, you know, they're going to miss postseason football. They're still going to lose 30 scholarships. After all of this came down, Reggie Bush is gone. O.J. Mayo's gone. Mike Garrett's gone. Pete Carroll's gone. But this all still gets upheld. Right. We're saying that Jim Tressel being removed from the picture may lessen the blow for Ohio State. Why didn't it lessen the blow for USC, even though all the key components that got them in trouble in the first place are gone? Well, because it, it comes down to a question of knowledge. What knowledge do people have? What should they have known? What oversight was in place? And I think where it concerns just the Jim Tressel lying situation, the university can say, look, this was an email that Jim Trussell got. He, it was a person-to-person conversation. He lied to all of us. And, well, the NCAA can say, well, you know what, this guy's at the top of your college football program, arguably the top of your athletics program, because he's the head football coach and the highest-paid employee that you have. You know, Ohio State can still say he lied to all of us and pin it all completely on Jim Trussell, saying there's no way we could have known that he was lying about this, this situation. There's no way we could have known that he was lying about this scenario, and you've already punished us uh, by, by nicking our players for five games in 2011 for the memorabilia violations. So with, with USC, the problem was how many people should have known? What was the oversight? It was more of a program problem, and the fact that O.J. Mayo and the basketball program was involved made it far more widespread than really what has happened in terms of um, just the program involved at Ohio State. That, to me, is why if you're an Ohio State fan, you're looking at USC and saying, wow, are we going to get hit with sanctions like that? What you should be worried about is what happens after the, the August infractions here. Because remember, August is just about Jim Trestle. If anything comes to bear about the cars and Terrell Pryor and maybe the expanded investigation into memorabilia. That's more about a program-wide issue, and that's why USC was hit so hard and, uh, you know, is going to suffer for such a long period. Program-wide issues, not just one coach. Um, There were multiple people involved, and, you know, the NCAA felt multiple people who should have known at USC, whereas with Ohio State, at least in terms of trestle lying, it's hard for them to argue 
hey, more people should have known Jim Trussell was lying in this situation. I just want to see the NCAA be consistent. If they're going to drop the hammer on one school, sure. then be consistent with everyone else. Don't do it one way over here and then rule right. with a, a light hand over here. Last question for you. Jim Trussell's got to be done, right? Because, A, it's my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, if he were to go somewhere else, penalties would follow him to that school, making it unlikely anyone's going to hire him and take those penalties on. And then I just don't see how he has any credibility left. Well, I, I think, you know, in terms of we'll find out what's going to be leveled on Jim Trussell. I think you're going to have something called a show cause penalty, which is essentially for whatever number of years the, universe, uh, the, the NCAA decides uh, it, it would place the show cause you know, penalty on top of Jim Trestle, you know, any institution that would hire him would have to make a case for the hiring. So let's say, it's my assumption Jim Trestle will probably get a five-year show cause penalty. That means for the next five years, if there's any institution that wants to hire Jim Trestle, they have to make a case before the NCAA why they can hire him. And the NCAA can ultimately decide whether or not Jim Trestle should be allowed to take that job. It's a very, very strict, harsh penalty to place on a coach, and it follows him wherever he goes. And, you know, I believe ultimately it will probably be in the five-year range that for five years, whoever wants to give Jim Trestle a job, if that were to happen, uh, they have to make a heck of a case for it. Now, credibility-wise, yeah, I think he is going to be fairly radioactive for a while. But, I will also say this. He won a heck of a lot of games. He recruited very well at Ohio State. Now, it's a major institution that typically recruits well anyway. But he did a lot that his predecessors at Ohio State weren't able to accomplish. He won a national championship. He kept the pipeline in in place. He beat the rival. He dominated Michigan over a 10-year span. That's extremely attractive to a lot of schools. And at the end of the day, they're going to go, how much money did he make Ohio State uh, you know, while he was the head of that football program, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And that's the kind of thing that, that will cause major, you know, other major institutions to take a shot, uh, you know, on Jim Truffle. And the fact that he's got a lot of people still standing behind him. But if they're going to do that, I, I believe over the next five years, they're going to have to make a case for it. That's Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports. Find him on Twitter at Windy City Scribe. Find him online at yahoosports.com. He broke the story on Ohio State and Jim Trestle. As always, fantastic insight. Charles, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SBRadio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, so Griggs and I got out on the golf course last weekend. Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club is world class here in Portland. I got my new Nike golf bag out, broke out some new shoes. Griggs, uh, it was a beautiful day. It was fun to be playing golf again, and uh, you were pretty good. I I like the, you know, you line up to the left, and then you have a a slice, so you hit it over to the right. You don't point down the the middle of the fairway, but uh, it somehow winds up going the right way, even though you're pointed way left. Yeah, somehow or another, you got to figure out a way to get it down the middle of the fairway, and I was reminded, I hadn't played in a while, that I have a wicked, wicked slice. So yeah, I have to line up where it looks like I'm a complete idiot. It I'm, looks like you're going to tee off like behind us, <laughs> yeah, and then somehow you hit it that way, and it slices around uh, towards the fairway. It was a good time. It was a great, uh, yeah, it was fun. Pumpkin Ridge, gorgeous car- course, and uh, a lot of fun being out there. Had some good laughs, but uh, yeah, all in all, great day. And it was good for me. I hadn't been out since August, so you know when I haven't played in that long, I'm just happy to make contact with the ball. And and I thought I did fine. You know, I find I play better golf. When I just don't care. When I go out there and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to think about every shot. I'm just going to swing away. And, and that's what I did. And, and it's a lot more fun playing golf that way. And when you don't play very much, you can't expect to be very good anyway. So I don't expect to be good. I just want to look good when I go out there and have a good time and not make a complete fool of myself on the golf course. And I think I avoided doing that. We all did. Yeah, so it, yeah. it was fun. It definitely was fun. And I owe you a lunch on the dollar menu, by the way. Oh, that's right. <laughs> what did I do to Oh, I got it up and down. Yeah. I hit. Yeah. I, I, I was on a par three and I hit it uh, left and I had to come up over this hill. I got it on the green and I made the putt for a very tough par. So Griggs owes me uh a 99-cent menu lunch. You're going all out, aren't you? Definitely all out. It's it's going to be a <laughs> massive, massive meal. All right. I'll, I'll not eat for weeks in anticipation. want to thank Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports for joining us to talk about the Jim Trestle Ohio State story. Um, our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A reminder, we've got a survey at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're trying to find out more about who listens to our show and how you listen. If you could please fill that out at sportsbusinessradio.com, we're going to select a lucky survey participant to come on this show, promote their brand. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.